And welcome back to the Smith Insidle Show, everyone. Jacob Seidel and Zach Smith with you. And we're talking great, right to the best audience in the country. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for tuning in every week. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your elderly uncle that is uh, always a bit too much at Thanksgiving dinner. Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, everyone. I know we got a little bit of time before that, but just in case uh, we forget to say that, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Tis the t- oh my goodness, tis the season to be thankful. Um, thank you to everybody for not playing Christmas music yet because it is still too early. Um, but that being said, it is turkey time, and that means one thing and one thing only, and that means football. We got a great show. Our second NCAA show last time out, we talked about a couple of different things, Clemson, Notre Dame, but this week, this week's matchup is Ohio State, Indiana. It's time for some football. And we'll get to that. But before we do, we have today in sports history. And I got two of them for you, Zach. The one that's on the page and the other one. Uh, On this day in history, this is the day this is released. So tomorrow, the 20th, back in 1988, Boston College beat Army 34 to 24 in the Emerald Isle Classic at Dublin's Lansdowne Road Stadium. It was the first NCAA American football game to be played in Europe. And our second one, uh, this one on the 19th of November, 1999, our very own Zach Smith was born. Wow. Happy birthday, Zach Smith, on the day of recording. It'll be too late tomorrow, but some of y'all will figure it out. Some of y'all that know Zach will send him a text. Thank you. I appreciate that. 21 years old. Who would have guessed? Yeah. Watch out. He's legal. (laughs) (laughs) And Thank then we'll you, move, sir. We'll move on. Uh, this is just a quick high school sports note here in Ohio. Uh, we know a few states have suspended high school football playoffs. Some have canceled the rest of their season. Some have delayed the start of winter sports. But here in Ohio, uh, this just breaking today, a few hours ago on the day of recording, the re- the remaining division uh, division state championship games. That's division two through seven as division one already played, uh, will be moved from fortress Obets to Maslin at Paul Brown tiger stadium, home of the Maslin tigers and the Maslin tigers who are in the division two state championship game will play Akron archbishop Hoban with a chance to win their first state title since the state of Ohio went to the, uh, playoff format in the 90s. I don't believe they've won one for 30 years, but they are one of the most well-known football programs, not only in Ohio, but really in the nation. Uh, and they have a chance to do it at home. And Zach, I just want to get your take on this real quick. Should a team ever play a championship game on their home field? No, I don't. Um, and the reason being is, is that you can turn and regulate ticket sales and all that, but that's still home field advantage. You're looking when you look at like the national title game or whatever, typically it's held in Texas and you'll have just a hypothetical out there. You'll have Alabama. And the last time we saw Alabama play was against Clemson. So Bama Clemson, um, that's two teams from the East coast moving into Texas, which is neutral ground. You can regulate ticket sales a little bit, but you'll give a certain number of tickets to Clemson students and a certain number of tickets to Alabama students, then friends and family. Now, 
we're in a different time with COVID, but still Maslin is going to be able to sit there and be, Oh, well I can just go to the field just as I normally do like an hour and a half before the game, go get in the zone, whatever. But for the other team, you have to go take a bus all the way to Maslin. So it's, it's not fair. And frankly, it, it shouldn't be a factor. Uh, when you're talking about a championship game, you want the best team and the best teams going at it together on a neutral field to see what they've got. And you're not going to see that in that game. It, I, I would agree with you to a point, but Archbishop Hoban, they are 20 minutes from Maslin. They're in Akron, just out past the university. Um, but even in a regular year where the state championships are held at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium in Canton, you always have the potential to see the McKinley Bulldogs play on their home field. Uh, this is this different, though. So at the beginning of the season, it was supposed to be played at Paul Brown or at uh, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. Then it got moved to Fortress Obets, which if you don't know what Fortress Obets is, it's a very small stadium that was made in the city of Obets, which is just south of Columbus, that was home to the Major League Lacrosse's Ohio Machine for two seasons until MLL gave the state of Ohio a middle finger and pulled the t- uh, franchise away, even though it was one of the most successful in the re- in recent history. Uh, so it usually just sits empty, but they had to be pulled out of there because Franklin County is the first county in Ohio to go purple because of COVID. I'm not going to waste too much time about that, but they went purple, which is the worst level you can go. Uh, a lot of really bad spreading. I have relatives down near that area, and I really hope they're all doing okay, uh, keeping safe. But it, it's just, um, it, it's different. And not exactly what you wanted to see, but it's what happened. As, again, 90% of Ohio's counties are red right now. So this is a very dangerous place. Uh, and then first game kicks off on Friday, the day this releases. So we'll get to see what happens, but I'm still excited for the state championship games, no matter what football's football, baby. You gotta love it. Ohio. This is the time of year where everybody's just so pumped. Of course, season's getting pushed back and moved around and all that fun stuff. Just when it comes to sports, taking the, the two to three hours to sit and just watch football or to watch basketball or to watch whatever you prefer watching, whatever your sport poison is, you're sitting there watching it and just takes your mind off of everything for just a little while. And that's what sports and entertainment is all about. It's to sit here and take a a moment of your time just to enjoy yourself and to take your mind off of school, work, family, drama, whatever, just enjoy yourself. And that's what sports is all about. And we'll move from there before I get back on my soapbox about Ohio being the best high school football in the country uh, to Indiana and Ohio State, the matchup for the lead in the Big Ten East. And this is going to be a huge game. And unfortunately, due to shutdown protocols in Franklin County, where Columbus is and where the horseshoe is, no parents will be allowed in attendance. The only ones allowed to attend are going to be media personnel, team personnel, and the players themselves. Uh, which is going to make it a little bit different from what we saw in the first two games at the Horseshoe. 
it, it's going to be a straight game of if you're not supposed to be there, you're not going to be there. And that's what's really unfortunate. That's something I'm very happy that universities and high schools have been able to do is that they've been able to turn and say, yeah, we still want parents and family members to be a part of your your athletes lives. But unfortunately, due to COVID-19, that's not going to be a, a scenario. Uh, getting right into the game facts of this. This is going to be a really, really good game. This is number nine, Indiana at number three, Ohio State. This game will be aired on Fox. Um, Indiana's entering this game 4-0. Ohio State 3-0 after last week not having a game due to Maryland having uh, COVID-19 outbreaks. Um, and as you mentioned, winner will take control of the Big Ten East. And that's what's really important about this. Uh, the Big Ten this year has had a couple of teams where you just got to be like, wow, this is really good. And then a couple of teams that are just disappointed, mainly in the East. Uh, after you get past Indiana and Ohio State, which are the two cream of the crop teams, Maryland is 2-1. and one. They won't have played in two weeks after this week, that game getting postponed. Then you've got Michigan at 1-3, and three, Michigan State at 1-3, and three, Rutgers at 1-3, and three, and Penn State with a goose egg still in the win column. So the Big Ten not really, or the Big Ten East, I should say, not really as dynamic as we thought. But the question is, can the Hoosiers stop Heisman hopeful Justin Fields and all the dynamic wideouts that he has to offer. Yeah, that that's going to be a big one. And Justin Fields, he's the best passer in college football right now. He's putting balls in places where only his receivers can get them. Zach, I see you looking at me that way. You can't tell me a guy who isn't com- he only has what, ten incompletions on the year, if that. I'll I'll give him this. He's the most accurate passer in college football um he has as as far as i'm aware he has the same amount of incompletions as he does touchdown passes um so accuracy wise yes he is but as in terms of pushing the ball downfield at an incredibly high rate i i cannot agree with you on that i again i'm a buckeyes fan myself but i can't sit here and say that justin fields is the best passer in college football right now because i don't think he is He's the most accurate for sure. Statistically speaking, he's the most accurate. But I I don't know. It's tough to say whether or not he's the best passer in college football. And Indiana is going to have its hands full dealing with everything that this Ohio State offense has at its disposal. I mean, just look at these numbers in three games, 908 yards, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, and a QBR of 96.4. And let's see here. He has, yeah, 11 incompletions. He's 72 of 83 on the season. That That's that's insane numbers. Even in four games, that's insane numbers. Three games. They didn't play four. Three games. Yeah, that's three games. And we'll see what happens in game number four. The football power index giving a 90% chance to the Buckeyes, 10% to the Hoosiers. I think it's going to be a little bit closer than people think. Uh, the Buckeyes are favorite, uh, 20 and a half point favorites and the over under is 66, 66 and a half. I like that. I think that Ohio state's really going to come out there swinging. And the, the biggest thing that you have to look at with this Ohio state team, because Indiana has played four really solid and complete games. Every single one of them completely all the way through it's a complete team effort offense defense special teams having to make a difference having to make a play um ohio state's got a week off 
And in a shortened season like this, where you don't have a buy, Ohio State needs to prove to everybody that they still have it after this week. And I mean, Ohio State has played, I'm not going to say bad teams, but kind of the lower rung teams in the Big Ten. uh, Penn State was supposed to be that really big matchup, and they were at the time, but going down and playing in Happy Valley without those fans in attendance, it hurts. It hurts that team. Uh, that being said, this is the this is the true test for this Ohio State team. Uh, yeah, you're going to have Ohio, uh, Michigan down the line. You're going to have a couple of other really big games that you're going to have to win if you're Ohio State. But this is the one. This is the show me the money face. This is where you're going to be able to be tossed into the conversation with Alabama and Notre Dame for the top two seeds. Alabama's got Kentucky this week. Notre Dame is on a bye this week. I think that if Indiana loses to Ohio State this week and it's by a a dominant enough fashion, I think that the committee is going to have to start talking about, well, do we put Ohio State above Notre Dame? I I believe that as well. And if they come out and dominate Indiana, I see no, like, even though Notre Dame didn't play this week, that's going to be a better performance against the top 10 team than Notre Dame has. But I think it's going to be closer. I don't think it's going to be so close that the Buckeyes are going to get upset. But I think it's going to be a a 10-point game. I think it's more than that. I think you're looking at like a 14-20 to point game. I think that this is finally going to be a game where Indiana is going to be exposed a little bit. And even even in, in big games over the past couple of years, the Buckeyes have late were able to push away to like 17 points. So I, I, I like about I like about a three touchdown lead, probably about 17 to 21 points, somewhere in that range. We'll go from that game to Wisconsin at Northwestern. This one, uh, not really control in the Big Ten West, but uh, Northwestern at 4-0 so far this season. They're having another really good season with quarterback uh, Peyton Ramsey. Wisconsin, it, they didn't play for two weeks. They're only two or they've only played two games, right? They're, yes. They're yes. Two and zero. Football power index giving this one to Wisconsin on only only a fourteen percent chance of victory to Northwestern. I don't know about this. I think Northwestern may be the team to beat in the Big Ten West. And, and it's going to be tough, and Northwestern is going to have to prove it this week against Wisconsin. Look, this Wisconsin Badgers team has had to deal with quite a bit, uh, not just COVID. But a couple of cancellations as well. Um, yet at the same time, Wisconsin's ranked as number ten in the nation. Northwestern is a a program that you have to sit there and really say, "Wow, look at this team and how it's grown over the years." Northwestern has slowly started to become a powerhouse of its own in the Big Ten West. It's right there with a lot of other teams. Uh, that being said, uh, Wisconsin is known for a couple of things. Wisconsin's known for its cheese. Wisconsin is known for its tough fans and the Wisconsin Badgers are known for a good O-line. It's going to be really, really tough to get any pressure through on this Wisconsin team. Uh, That being said, Wisconsin's also got a pretty solid defense. I don't like Northwestern in this game in any way, shape or form. And I kind of agree with ESPN's uh, football power index on this. I think that this is a blowout win for uh, Wisconsin. Again, credit to Northwestern. They've really been pushing up, but another dominating win last week for uh, Wisconsin 
And I think it comes to that. I, I like Wisconsin probably by, uh, by about 14 points. I'll, I'll agree with that one only because Ramsey, while he's looked good, he's thrown four touch or six touchdowns to four interceptions. And that Wisconsin defense, and we know cheese, like Wisconsin's known for cheese, but their defense is not Swiss cheese. Their defense is more like a sharp cheddar. You, you why like are we comparing? Why why are we comparing this defense to cheese? You get it sharp. Their defense is sharp. They're gonna go to the ball. They're gonna get the ball. If if we had a boo sound effect, now would be the time to play it. <laughs> Please, buddy, leave them to me. Leave the jokes to me. I don't give good jokes, but that that one that was really cheesy. So boo boo. Okay. Move on to the next one, and this is a must-win for Jim Harbaugh against Rutgers. Rutgers has looked decent this season, but they haven't been able to. They don't have. They haven't had the talent so far to stay in games against the powerhouse teams like Ohio State. Do they have enough to beat the Maize and Blue? Well, I mean, you want to talk about a team that hasn't looked good this year. You 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 turn to the page in the book and the dictionary, whatever it is you're reading, and you look up the definition of disappointment. You want to know what is is shown on the screen right there? The uh, Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, that, that's that was going to be my guess. The Michigan Wolverines have arguably been the biggest disappointment in college football. Now. Yes. Do we expect Michigan to, to blow a couple of games every year? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But you're talking about a team that you're you're going into the season. You're like, oh, this is the best quarterback that Harbaugh's ever had at his disposal. Oh, this is the best defense that Harbaugh's ever had at his disposal. This is the best Michigan team that's been in Michigan for a little while now. This is a team that should have no problem beating like Ohio State or anything like that. You have struggled. Not even just a little bit, but a lot. Your only your win to open up the season was against Minnesota. Minnesota made that a game. Minnesota kept that close, but you won credit to Michigan. You're you've lost three straight. I can't sit here and say that you're going to beat Rutgers handily. I'm going to say that their Michigan's going to win, but I can't sit here and say confidently that it's going to be a blowout as it should be. And you can turn and say that Penn State being an 0-4 team is the biggest disappointment in the Big Ten this year. And I'm going to say it is pretty much the biggest disappointment. But, but Michigan, that this is not the way that you want to be looking at all. And, and Harbaugh, whose job is in question every year because he can't beat the teams he needs to, I, his, his job might be kaput at the end of this season. I, I think he might not make it out of the season if he loses to Rutgers this week. That uh, That's that going to be my said. hot take for the day. I think if Rutgers beats Michigan, which is a very, very plausible prediction, Jim Harbaugh's tenure will be done before he plays Ohio State. Say it with authority. Hot take. If Michigan loses to Rutgers... Jim Harbaugh will be fired by the Wolverines, and rightfully so. There you go. You got to say that with authority. When you throw hot takes, you just, you just got to yeet it out there. That, that being said, I'm going to give this one to the Scarlet Knights. 
in a close one, a low scoring game, 13 to 10. You're standing by your claim. And I like that, but I'm not standing by it. Michigan is for a lack of better terms, kind of a joke this year, but Michigan will not lose this game. I like Michigan by at least 10. We'll move on from the big 10 now and sec. We're not going to spend too much time on this Alabama at Kentucky. Kentucky has looked Decent at times, but they're playing Alabama, who is not not going to falter to the Wildcats. Especially when you've got a guy like Mac Jones back at quarterback for Alabama, who's a Heisman hopeful. Yeah, you've kind of lost one of your best receivers on the year, but Devontae Smith has stepped right in. Devontae Smith is arguably the best wide receiver in college football. So Kentucky, although has been playing relatively competent football this year i i don't give them much of a shot against alabama this weekend texas a&m and ole miss postponed due to covid uh zach does this hurt the aggies chances to make the college football playoffs without a doubt without a doubt this hurts the aggies chances the the texas a&m aggies are sitting at five overall behind alabama notre dame ohio state and clemson a&m is fighting for a spot in the college football playoff And you look at the teams behind them, Florida, Cincinnati, BYU, if Indiana were to win this week, Indiana's right there. Wisconsin's right there. It opens the door to Oregon, too. Um, A&M didn't play last week. They had their game last week postponed as well. Um, This does nothing but hurt them. Nothing but hurt them. And that's the sad thing about COVID-19. You're going to look at it in the phase of this. Well, A&M didn't get two games. But Cincinnati has gone undefeated. BYU has gone undefeated. Florida, after their one loss to A&M, has gone undefeated. Can you justify letting these three teams sit behind a a Texas A&M team that hasn't played? And I don't know that you can. I think this this really, really hurts Texas A&M not playing this week against Ole Miss. I don't think you can either. I I really think the Aggies might have just knocked themselves from looking to make a big jump to on the outside looking in. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Other game, the other big quote unquote game in the SEC is Florida moving on. They're going to play Vanderbilt. And I don't think there's any way Florida loses to the Commodores. Oh no, Kyle Trask is looking fantastic. He is wanting that Heisman. Uh, he misses Kyle Pitts a little bit, did not play last game due to a concussion, but Pitts, hypoth- or hopefully, I should say, will be back. And Kyle Trask, again, is looking fantastic. I don't give Vanderbilt any chance against the Gators. We'll move on to the ACC with another postponement. And this one, Miami was already way on the outside looking in, but this, I think, is a nail in the coffin for their playoff hopes as their game against Georgia Tech is postponed. Well, if Miami can get the game rescheduled, I think that Miami is right back in it. The Hurricanes have looked very, very convincing this year. Um, The ACC is a three-team race at this moment in time, and it's the Fighting Irish, Clemson, and Miami. Clemson's beaten Miami. Notre Dame has beaten Clemson. Miami needs to string together wins, and with a postponement like this, this hurts. This hurts. And the other game going on, Clemson, uh, they were off last week for their bye week. They're going to be playing Florida State. 
Uh, Clemson coming off of a loss to Notre Dame. Uh, I believe they will have Trevor Lawrence back. I haven't seen anything said otherwise. Uh, have you, Zach? No, Trevor Lawrence will be expected to play. The other game in the ACC, Clemson at Florida State. Uh, Clemson coming off their bye week. Before that, a loss to Notre Dame, who is now the number two team in the country. Is this a tramp game for the Tigers? Absolutely not. And if Clemson were to lose this game to Florida State, they deserve to go from four to unranked. Uh, this, this Florida State team, to be very frank, has been hot trash since Dalvin Cook and Jameis Winston left. Um, it's been in a free fall, new coaches, new team, everything. Florida State is rebuilding itself. And it's going to take some time to get new recruits in and all of that fun jazz. But by no way, shape, or form should this be a game. Clemson should blow this team out in the first half. But between Trevor Lawrence, who is still wanting to get that Heisman, and uh, the all-time leading rusher in the ACC by a guy by the name of uh, Travis Etienne, don't know if that name rings a bell, is going to be in this game. This is going to be a heavy run type of game. This is going to be a team that's going to blow out another and give me Clemson by like 28. I agree with that. Uh, I think if Florida State can get some momentum early, it might be a bit closer than that. But Clemson has no business losing to Florida State. On to the Big 12, and the only teams that would ever have a chance of making the college football playoffs out of the Big 12 this year, even though neither of them look like they will. Oklahoma State at 14, Oklahoma at 18 uh, in the big in-state rivalry in the Big 12. Who's your pick in this one? My pick is the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Now, look, Oklahoma is not all that good. Um, it's It's been a very off-and-on season for Lincoln Riley and the Sooners. Uh, you're missing Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield a little bit. You're missing some consistent quarterback play. Uh, Baker Mayfield, gone. Did really good. Kyler Murray thrived because all of the weapons he had. And then Jalen Hurts last year. Um it, it's been an off-and-on road for Oklahoma. That being said, they're not playing all that poorly. They've gotten a lot better, but there's one thing that they do not have, and it's Chuba Hubbard. Um, Chuba Hubbard is one of the best running backs in college football. I think it's him and Travis Etienne up at the very top. Um, I, I really like what Oklahoma State has done. They lost like one game to Texas. And they've been trying to build back on that ever since. I like Texas, uh, or I like Oklahoma State on the road. I, I like this one too. I think the Cowboys, uh, as much as it pains me to say this, and I will tell you why later, Zach. I'm not going to get into that on our podcast. The Cowboys are uh, head ahead of the Sooners right now by a lot. So it's going to be Oklahoma State. Quick check-in in in the American Conference. Cincinnati is going to go and play at the University of Central Florida. Uh, Bearcats, they may be the number seven team in the country, but they are not favored against unranked UCF, which is weird to me. I know UCF is a dangerous team, but they're not as good as they were when they claimed their national title. Cincinnati should have this game and you've been very, very high on the Bearcats this year and rightfully so they're playing at a competitive level. They just dominated their last opponent. They've been dominating everybody they played. 
And we've been saying it. They need to dominate Eastern Carolina. They just went and did that. So Cincinnati not being favored surprises me. But that's another chance for this team to sit there and be like, hey, we're still here. And with Texas A&M not playing this week, this is a big chance for Cincinnati to move up at least one spot. I I think the Bearcats are going to win one here. I think they're going to um, show they are the better team. I think it's going to be about a 14 to 20 point game. We've used that term a few times today. The Bearcats are that good. Luke Fickle, he was interim head coach. After Jim Trussell left Ohio State, he led the t- he led Ohio State to their only losing season in two decades, I think. Almost two decades now, if you go look at it. But that was a team that had lost a lot of players to suspension. Boom Heron, uh, along with Terrell Pryor leaving for the NFL after Tattoo Gate. But he's really found a home in the college football landscape. And I still think that the Bearcats are going to end up in a power five conference the next few years. But if they don't, they are going to lose Luke uh, Luke Fickle to a power five school in the near future. You see, I I disagree with how close you think this game is going to be. You think this is going to be like a 14, 20 point game? I don't think so. I think there's going to be a lot, lot tighter. And I mean, when you look at it, there's reasons why teams are favored rather than others. Uh, UCF, not really a jokey type of team. They're, they went undefeated for quite a long time a couple of years back. So I, I still like Cincinnati, but I think this is a 10-point game. And from there, we'll go to the Mid-American Conference in the matching segment, and we'll start off with the Western Conference, or division rather, with Western Michigan Broncos and the Central Michigan Ships in their big rivalry game, Central had looked like they were going to be the team to beat. Uh, they won the MAC title last year over the Miami Redhawks, and then Western Michigan goes in and just. Uh, it gets the win, a gritty win for the Broncos. Are they the team to beat in the West now? I don't know. And that's just because that there are now four, two or three, two and one teams in the Mac West. That would be ball state, central Michigan and Toledo. Um, Western Michigan is very good. They have pulled out some wins that they should not have won. Uh, IE the Toledo game on a fake spike. But you know, you look at the last game against central that was another dominating performance. Uh, Western Michigan's 3-0. They are one of three 3-0 teams in the Mid-American Conference. Um, I, I, don't, I won't say that they're the team to beat yet, but they are looking the part. We'll go now to Kent, Ohio. Akron and the Kent State Golden Flashes. Uh, the Zips, they were able to keep it close for a while. It was a good game. Uh, but Kent State pulls away at the end. They'll keep the wagon wheel. And I just want to say this a little bit. Uh, from when I was going through my tours, when I was a junior in high school trying to decide where I was going to go to college, Kent State and Akron both credit the same man to be their founders. Uh, and the saying goes, when he was coming across Ohio trying to find... not Not the same... But the man that is credited to be the founder of Akron, uh, the University of Akron, 
lost a wagon wheel in Kent. So they play back and forth about this wagon wheel and who will get it. And it's a big rivalry. Um, It's not as big as a few others Akron has had since they have only been FBS for, I want to say, only a few decades. They were a Division II in an FCS school for a while, and their big rival was Youngstown State. Uh, But really, this is a tradition that means a lot to the people in the Akron and Kent areas in Northeast Ohio. And Kent just proved that they are the better team. Well, we already knew Kent was the better team coming in. Uh, but what the, this rivalry has gone back and forth when both teams have not had very good years. Buffalo Bulls remain yeah. undefeated as they go into Dwight Perry Stadium and beat the Falcons. And it, Bowling Green looked good in the first quarter. They kept it within three points. They miss a field goal at the beginning of the second, and that's really where it started tumbling downhill. Yeah, I was able to uh, be in attendance for that game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it, it, it's this this team has been a tale of two teams, and we saw it during the first quarter or the first half, I should say, or yeah, first quarter of the Buffalo game and the first quarter of the game against Kent State. And this week, seven to three at the end of the half, at the end or at the end of the first quarter, at the end of the half, twenty one to three. That's not a deficit you can't overcome. Uh, I think that coach Leffler needs to be a little bit more aggressive when it's fourth and one on your opponent's 16 yard line. Um, I think you need to be more aggressive. I've liked the way that Matt McDonald has been pushing the ball down the field a little more 17 for 27, 219 yards and a touchdown. This defense did everything you asked it to in the passing game. You held uh, Kyle Van tree seven and t- uh, seven and 12 for 74 yards. But Jarrett Patterson went off 31 carries, 301 yards and four touchdowns. This Falcons defense has been the problem for a little bit now. Uh, You just need to be a little bit more aggressive, halting teams. It's Um, really been the run defense in year in previous years. While I've been here, at least the secondary at times has looked on par, if not better than a lot of teams in the Mac. But it's it's the front seven for the Falcons that they just haven't been able to figure out how to keep it going. Yeah, and, and I mean, 42 to seven and Terion Stewart has shown up again. Terion Stewart, the freshman from Sandusky, has truly deserved more touches. He has four touchdowns in two games. That's fantastic for him. Um, Andrew Clare finally started looking like the Andrew Clare that we've all come to know and love 14 carries for 85 yards. Julian Ortega Jones, six catches, 67 yards. Quentin Morris started to light up the Falcons offense. All things considered 17 points. That's nothing to sit here and be like, Oh, well the offense didn't really show up the play when your defense is getting blown out. Like the Falcons were you, you can't, Stay in games, 28 points in the second and third quarter, and you're not going to bounce back from that. No, but we are seeing flashes of some great Falcon play, and I am excited to see in a year or two where this team is. As am I. We'll go now to Oxford, where the Ohio Bobcats and Miami Redhawks were supposed to play their rivalry game, and it was canceled. This is the first time since 1944 the rivals did not play each other in football at least once. Uh, And it was canceled because the Bobcats had some roster issues due to COVID-19. 
it, it's it's been hard in Southern Ohio, as um, Joe Burrow has mentioned in his time growing up. A lot of people in poverty there, and really a lot of COVID spread. Uh, as it is hard to see COVID spreads in some of these low income area areas better or more effectively than others, uh, and really that area in Athens County is kind of like that. Yeah, our our ho- our thoughts and prayers go to anybody who's been affected by COVID nineteen. So we we hope that that Athens area you know gets better soon. Uh, but it's not fun to have football canceled. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Will this keep Miami out of the conference championship game? I I cannot say that it will, but I can't say that it, it it's not going to be in effect. You're not going to see much as in terms of the Mac rescheduling games to make something happen. Uh, Miami is now one and one on the year. Buffalo, my pick to win the Mac East is still sitting there, sitting pretty three and zero. Kent State's three and zero. I I think the ship has sailed for the Miami Redhawks. So we'll go there now. We'll talk to the AP top ten, and I can't wait till we get our first CFP rankings of the year. I think they're coming next month. But the top eight unchanged, number one, Alabama, number two, Notre Dame, number three, Ohio State, number four, Clemson, number five, Texas A&M, number six, Florida, number seven, Cincinnati, number eight, BYU. Uh, Not what we were expecting to see since Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M didn't play. Thought there might be a little bit of motion. Not at all. No, I, I thought so, too. Um, mainly from either Florida or Cincinnati pushing up, trying to get into that five spot. Uh, I figured the top four wasn't going to change uh, regardless of how well Notre Dame played last week, but I'm kind of surprised that it didn't change, but due to COVID-19, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's just different and does not change. Uh, Indiana moved up one spot to number nine. Wisconsin goes up three spots from 13 to 10, and Oregon the lone pack 12 team remains at 11 uh looking at this list is there any team that you can count out of this top 11 like what team would you say has absolutely no shot at the college football playoff i really think it's oregon and i'm not saying that it's not my west it's not a west coast bias thing Uh, i just don't think the pack 12 has a team that can match up with a lot of these other teams, even Cincinnati and BYU, Oregon is good. I'll give them that. But I think both of those teams, one in the American and one FBS independent, could give the Ducks a run for their money. Um, Indiana, I think if they can beat Ohio State, they'd have a solid chance. I don't think that's going to happen. Wisconsin's not going to have enough games to be considered when it all comes down. Um, and that might be what happens to Texas A&M. Two weeks in a row, the Aggies not playing. We could see them drop down. <clears throat> Pardon me. We could see them drop down below either Cincinnati or maybe both Cincinnati and BYU and see Florida move to five, Cincinnati move to, to six, something around there. Uh, but really, I don't think... You, I don't think you can count any of the teams in the top eight out. I I agree with you, and I can't really say, you know, one team's not going to make it over another. I do have the hottest of takes, but we will get to that. 
Um, that being said, if I'm looking at the top 11, what team I don't think has a chance to be in the college football playoff conversation is Texas A&M. And for the reasons you mentioned, uh, two games back to back that you've lost or not lost, but haven't played, uh, your big win is over Florida who sits right behind you at six and your loss is to Alabama. So A&M is going to have some ground to make up, but I, I don't think that they can make that up. And I, I think Florida is going to push through a little bit. Cincinnati is going to be able to move up a little bit. Uh, I don't know about BYU. BYU is kind of my wild card. BYU has been playing really, really well, but I don't know if you can justify putting them in the top six right now. We'll go on to, we'll move from there into the Smitties. We're bringing them to this one too, guys. And we'll start off with the first one. The Freddie Kitchen Smitty for biggest disappointment in college football this season goes to LSU. Now, th- this is an asterisk based disappointment. LSU goes from winning the national title last year to being a relatively mediocre team this year. And I mean, you, you can chalk it up to a couple of things that has nothing to do with coaching. This is mainly because the majority of your team declared for the draft last year. And I mean, why wouldn't you? You're just coming off of the best season LSU has had in a very long time. So I I put an asterisk next to that. But LSU came into this season, put in the top 10 as in terms of the AP rankings. LSU is supposed to be able to bounce right back with this. And, and you didn't. So I, I, if I had to say the biggest disappointment over Penn State and over Michigan, I got to say LSU. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie was good, Smitty, for biggest surprise in college football this season goes to. You know, I've had some time to sit here and think on this. And I know as we had originally started talking that I was going to say Indiana on this because Indiana has looked very, very good this year. but. I'm going to pull a little sneaky on you. You ready for this? My biggest surprise this year is Coastal Carolina out of the Sun Belt, ranked at number 15 this year. And you may be asking, well, why not Indiana? Well, l- let me tell you about some of these teams that Coastal Carolina has beat this year. They beat Kansas 38 23. They beat a ranked uh, Raging Cajun squad 30-27 to in Louisiana. Coastal Carolina has been a very complete team this year. Uh, will not play this week due to uh, Troy postponing their game. But, or excuse me, they will play this week. They didn't play last week because of that. I'm misreading the schedule. They get Appalachian State. They get Texas State. They get Liberty. Liberty is the game that I'm excited for. That game will be played on the 5th of December. If I had to give you a biggest surprise, it would be that the Sun Belt has a team that is 7-0 and ranked 15. Yeah, I think that's going to be a really, that's going to be a fun game to watch against Liberty because Liberty is also really good. They're playing South Carolina or North Carolina State this week. We could see an upset there. And the obvious Smitty for what team should join a conference next season goes to. You see, you say this is obvious, but there's a little bit of wiggle room in here. But it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. 
Notre Dame has played so well in the ACC this year. And I and we mentioned it in episodes prior. If they can get their TV deal to work with Ace with the ACC, we'll see Notre Dame football playing up against Clemson every year. Every year, must watch television. So we'll move from the Smitties to the Heisman watch, and these are the Bleacher Report rankings for the top four Heisman candidates. Number one is Mac Jones. Top five, sorry, didn't see that last one. Uh, Mac Jones, a quarterback at Alabama. Kyle Trask, the quarterback at Florida. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson. Zach Wilson, quarterback at BYU. And Justin Fields, quarterback at Ohio State. That's a list right there. That is a list. Now... The overarching theme of this is, do we agree with this rankings? And no, I do not. I Matt, Matt Jones is a good quarterback, but he is not who I'd say deserves the Heisman. And and Seidel and I here have a, a little bit of, 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 not an argument, but we have differing opinions on who we think is going to win the Heisman. My pick for the Heisman is Kyle Trask. If I had to vote right now, and let me tell you why Kyle Trask is playing out of his mind this year as a five and one squad. He is thrown for 2,100 yards to rank ninth in college football. He leads the league, like the NCAA in passing touchdowns with 28. He has three interceptions and a 93.9 QBR rating. He is on pace to be better than Joe Burrow was last year. Joe Burrow just was drafted number one overall by the Cincinnati Bengals while winning the Heisman and going to the national title game. Kyle Trask has been playing that well this year. If I had to give the Heisman to anybody, it is Kyle Trask. But I think what we can both agree on is Trevor Lawrence should not be in this conversation anymore. For, and I, I'm going to give two reasons that are going to show my Ohio State bias for a second. The first one is last year, J.K. Dobbins had a very strong chance to win the Heisman. And he got suspended for two games because, well, one game by the NCAA, Ohio State sat him another. Because he accepted a loan from a family friend, not a booster, not anywhere he wouldn't he would have gotten it just because he was an Ohio State football player but from a family friend so he could take his family to see him play in the Rose Bowl. Are you talking Chase Young? Chase Young. Yes, I meant Chase Young. Yeah, Chase Young, not J.K. Dobbins. This was this was Chase Young. I got my there the was so dominant many Ohio defender State, in college football. There were so many Ohio State prospects that could have won the Heisman last year. I lost count. Yep. I, I just got confused. So Chase Young is who I meant. And then in 2014, when JT Barrett stepped in and played quarterback after Braxton Miller got hurt, had a phenomenal season, still in my mind should have won the Heisman that year and didn't because he got injured the last game of the season at Michigan and couldn't play in the Big Ten Championship game, the uh, Sugar Bowl for the uh, National Championship semifinal, and then the championship game, which Ohio State won. I still think that's highway robbery that he got like, look at the, what he did the rest of the season. Trevor Lawrence missed two games because he got COVID. He should not be in consideration for the Heisman whatsoever. 
that that's the end of my point. I was thinking you were going to re- rebut or something. Oh well, I, I I can I can I can rebuttal a little bit. I mean, Trevor Lawrence has was once the most dominant quarterback in college football, and he's going to declare for the draft. He will be a top five pick. And you're, I, I, I agree that he shouldn't get the Heisman, especially after missing two games. And I think it's because a couple of quarterbacks were able to catch up to him and even surpass him. And that's why he's ranked at three on this Bleacher Report list. I still think that's too high. But I, I disagree. And right now I do have to agree with you that Tyler or Kyle or I can't speak today. Kyle Trask would be my favorite, but I think Justin Fields, if he keeps throwing the ball the way he has been, if he keeps his incompletions to a minimum, I don't think you can say he doesn't win the Heisman. I I like Trask until he shows me otherwise, and that's the way that I, I got to maneuver it. I mean, it, it stinks that the Buckeyes just didn't play a game last week, and I think that's going to hurt that. Justin Fields has been playing out of his mind, but Kyle Trask is the better quarterback. And now we'll move on to overreaction or underreaction. And the first one for our good, my good friend, Zach Smith is James Franklin will go to the NFL after this season with Penn state. And for the bonus point, he will coach the Atlanta Falcons. Your bonus point is a wicked overreaction. (laughs) As is this statement, overreaction, 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 overreaction. Uh, I think James Franklin will remain the coach of Penn State after this year. And I've been going back and forth, but Franklin just signed an extension like a year or so ago. And this year just hasn't been his year. And it it happens. You're going to see a lot of discomfort out of Penn State fans. You're going to see a lot of people asking for him to get fired. But he is nowhere near in the hot water that Coach Harbaugh is in Michigan. Uh, This is an overreaction. James Franklin's not going anywhere. Overreaction or underreaction to you. Justin Fields, the quarterback of the Ohio State Buckeyes, will be drafted before presumed number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence. This is an overreaction. And I've said it time and time again. I'm not convinced Justin Fields is going to declare for the draft. He has said before he wants to win the Heisman and wants to win a ring for the Buckeyes. And unless he does that this year, I think he sticks around next year and plays another season of college ball. So if Trevor Lawrence is drafted this season, of course Lawrence is going to be drafted before Fields. And that's because Fields will go out a year later. And honestly, for his career, I think Justin Fields should go out a year later because there are a lot of other really good quarterbacks in this draft. And I don't see that coming in next year. I don't think we're going to be as quarterback deep next year. Zach, overreaction or underreaction? The Indiana-Ohio State game on Saturday will be the highest scoring game featuring two top 10 teams this year. Almost had the whole thing. Almost had it. It's a lot of T's, and this is an overreaction to a T. Uh, Ohio State's offense has been good. Their defense has gotten better. On the Indiana side of the ball, I don't know if this Indiana team can move the ball as effectively against a a solid team like Ohio State like they have been able to do so this year. Um, That being said, I still think Ohio State wins this game with some dominance. 
I don't think it's all that high scoring. Uh, as long as Ohio State doesn't take its foot defensively off the gas, I think you'll be okay. Uh, this is an overreaction. I don't see this being all that high scoring. Regardless of how this season plays out, the Pac-12 will be left out of the college football playoff, overreaction or underreaction. This is the definition of an underreaction right here. The Pac-12 is out. I don't care what happens. Every team in front of them could lose and they'd be out. I just don't see enough uh, competition in the Pac-12. And I don't think even then Oregon's going to be able to go undefeated and make the college football playoff. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with you. I don't see a lot of competition out of the Pac-12 this year. And it's unfortunate to say, but um, especially because pa- the Pac-12 started a little late, it's going to be tough for them to even get some contention in there. I'm going to double up on you here. Overreaction or underreaction, BYU will be in the college football playoff before the Cincinnati Bearcats, despite being an independent school. I think this is an overreaction. BYU is a very good program, but Cincinnati is going to have an extra game over them uh, to make it in. And that's going to be the American Conference Championship game. And I think they'll win that game. I think both teams go undefeated in the regular season. But the fact that Cincinnati has that one extra game is going to put them ahead. Uh, Like I've been seeing it since we started the podcast. Cincinnati is my number four team in the college football playoffs. And they will be the first group of five school to make the college football playoffs. And finally, our last one for today, Alabama will not be in the college football playoffs this year. Is this an overreaction or an underreaction, Zach? You ready for the hottest take of the night? Are you ready for it? I sure am. This is an underreaction, and I'm saying this with pride right now. The number one Alabama Crimson Tide will not represent the SEC in the college football playoff this year. And because of that, they will fall to five right before we see the college football playoffs things get all announced. They will be a New Year's Six team. But the Florida Gators will represent the SEC in the college football playoff this year. Drop Mike. We'll have to save that for a future episode. Drop the mic. I, I dropped it already. I like that take. I think Florida can and will uh, be able to outlast Alabama this season. We'll just have to see how the rest of it goes. So that's going to just about do it. Any final thoughts, Zach, that don't have to deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because this is college show. Hey. Hey, 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 not everything I say is about the Pittsburgh Steelers, all right? I'm I'm throwing that out there. Yeah, not, I have not nothing really you say, else. But everything you wear. <laughs> I mean I I yes and no. Not everything I wear is Pittsburgh Steelers. But hey, you're getting me to talk about it, you cheater. Anyway, uh, go Buckeyes, baby. We're, we've got another great show coming up for you next week. We've got a couple of big things, the NBA draft. Uh, just happened. So we're going to get reactions to that here soon. So do stick around again. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. Go bucks. I'll echo that one with the OH. I O and also go Falcons. I Ziggy Zumba talons up baby as this is going to be a big bounce back week for the Falcons. I can feel it in my bones, but like I said, that's going to just about do it for us. Uh, 
The Smith and Seidel Show is a production from Zach Smith and Jacob Seidel, edited by Jacob Seidel. Our intro and outro music is by Bobby Quinn Creative Music Production. You can find him on Fiverr.com by searching Bobby Quinn C. He's highly recommended by The Smith and Seidel Show. Uh, we love, he's great to work with. Love our intro once again. Uh, thank you, Bobby Quinn, uh, for the fantastic intro. As well as Dylan Hunter, who created the Smith and Seidel logo. He's a student here at BG. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Zach, you've never met him. Eventually, you'll meet him. Uh, but yeah, that's going to just about do it for us here. So until next week, when we get back to pro, we might do a combined show next week because of Thanksgiving and all that. Uh, just because I don't want to release a show. I don't want to record a show on Thanksgiving, Zach. I'm not nah. going to lie. Um, it's all good, man. We'll figure it out. But just remember that, oh, I got, I forgot, almost forgot something. For Zach Smith, I'm Jacob Seidel signing off and reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and I, Ziggy Zumba.